can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm gonna rise right out of the ground. Welcome to another episode of the No Chance Attached Podcast. This is your host, Garrett Bastardi. It's midweek. We're in between week three and week four of the college football season. Um, Another exciting week of college football. Big week of sports coming up. We have the Ryder Cup. We have week four of college football. Not the most exciting slate ever, Um, but there are a couple good games out there. Um, Before we get into that, rate and subscribe on on iTunes Podcasts uh, and SoundCloud. And follow us on Twitter at NoChainsPod1. All right, let's uh, let's dig in. Uh, you know, going back into to week three, you know the the you know some of the, the predictions going to week three was you know Alabama was a two touchdown favorite over Florida. Uh, obviously, that didn't end up uh, you know turning out like that. And in fact, you know, early on it looked like Bama was going to run away with the ball game, but Florida made a couple adjust adjustments. Dan Mullen's offense made a couple adjustments. Went to a more running. Um, RPO, you know, style, um, you know, dominant, uh, RPO dominant style offense and really was able to start getting, gaining some chunk yards against, against Bama's defense. And that's always kind of been a, uh, an issue for Nick Saban led defenses, you know, the running quarterback, uh, and when they're playing against running quarterbacks and Emory Jones was able to go out there and, and really, you know, get that offense to be much more effective in the second half. So it was 21 to three early in that ball game. Uh, Florida was able to come all the way back and was held on a two point, uh, missed two point conversion try. And that's how uh, Alabama was able to escape with a W. Um, You know, the swamp's a difficult place to go. Uh, Alabama definitely looked like they were on their way to routing Florida early up 21 to three and credit to Florida. They were able to make some adjustments. The only thing that, you know, I, I really take out of this game is, you know, Florida might be able to give Georgia a little bit more of a run for their money in in the cocktail party in a few weeks, but we'll see. Uh, Georgia, another dominant performance against South Carolina. They looked really good. Uh, the defense is really good. The offense looks solid. Uh, you know, the, the win they had against Clemson a couple weeks ago is looking a little less and less impressive with, you know, Clemson's struggles, but, but still it looks like Alabama and Georgia are probably the the two top teams, I think Alabama is a maybe a, a slight nudge ahead of them. Um, but then after that, it becomes a real cluster, if you will. You know, you look at Oklahoma, they struggled against Nebraska. Clemson struggled against Georgia Tech. Ohio State struggled against Tulsa. Uh, just, a, just, you know, the teams that we're used to seeing be very dominant are not um, dominating these, you know, lesser opponents. I think the most probably... You know, there's a couple of very surprising outcomes, but you know the two most shocking struggles were were Clemson and Ohio State again. Uh, Clemson barely beating Georgia Tech at home, and Ohio State, you know, was only up a touchdown with you know a little under ten minutes to go against Tulsa uh, at home. Tulsa is not; it's not like they're a three and O team that's been beating everybody they're playing. They were zero and three or zero and two going into the game. Uh, against Ohio State and Ohio State uh, just cannot play defense right now. Tulsa was able to throw through for 428 passing yards, um, you know, and, and Texas or I'm sorry, and, uh, and Ohio State was able to score um, some points late to to make it look a little more palatable, if you will, than what than what uh, things actually looked like on the field. So, you know, Ohio State's offense isn't isn't the issue. It's it's the defense, and if they can they can make stops, especially through the air. Um, 
It's a real struggle out in Columbus. And a, a little fun fact about what what went on in Columbus on Saturday. Lois attended game at the Horseshoe in nearly 40 years. Only 75,000 people went to the Ohio State-Tulsa game. Um, you know, they're, I don't know, I don't know if they're fair weather fans or what, but, um, you know, it's only only one loss early in the year. I, I, don't, I don't really know why the, why they're all abandoning ship this early, but, you know, clearly they don't have a lot of confidence in, in things getting turned around in Columbus. Um, the, you know, the marquee game of the weekend was in-state college, uh, the whiteout game, Penn State against Auburn, um, was, uh, you know, a really, really well-played football game on both sides of the ball. Uh, Penn State comes out with a 28-20 win. They cover, uh, and, you know, it was, it was an incredible environment. Uh, it was, you know, if you love sports, if you're watching on TV or if you were as fortunate as I, as I was to be there, uh, it was something that was uh, just a sight to behold. And, you know, Penn State comes out on top. Cliff, Sean Clifford has an unbelievable game. The Penn State defense plays solid. Um, I, I give a lot of credit to Auburn. Uh, I think that Brian Harson has a, has a good thing going there. And I think that Auburn uh, in the coming years will, will continue to build. I would say, you know, the rest of this year they, they would look good. But, you know, looking at Auburn's schedule the rest of the year, um, you know, they have to play number one Alabama in the Iron Bowl, number two Georgia, number seven Texas A&M, 13th ranked Ole Miss, and 16th ranked Arkansas. Um, that is just a brutal schedule. So if they're able to go eight and four this year, uh, I think, and this is all on top of, you know, having to go to Penn State at a conference. If they're able to go eight and four this year, I think the Auburn fans will have to be pretty happy. Uh, that schedule is just brutal. Uh, you look ahead for Penn State, uh, you know, their schedule isn't that much easier going forward. Penn State, you know, they have Villanova this upcoming week. Uh, they're home against Indiana, and then they have to go to Iowa. Uh, so Iowa is currently ranked fifth in the country. Uh, Penn State is sixth. That'll be a, a marquee matchup that weekend and a weekend that's filled with um, unbelievable games. Uh, I believe that'll be week six or week seven. Yeah, we're looking at week six. So that weekend we have uh, Alabama at A&M, Georgia at Auburn, Oklahoma and Texas, Penn State and Iowa, uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss. There's just so many games that weekend. Um that are going to be it's going to be much watched tv i will be i will be in college station texas for the texas a&m alabama game that weekend uh trying to figure out how i will be able to be covering both a&m and penn state at the same time when they're both playing in top five matchups but um it'll it'll be uh that'll be a great weekend but looking ahead you know penn state should be five and oh after the next couple weeks um and going into a, a a huge game against iowa uh, Texas A&M, they take care of New Mexico 34-0. A&M's offense still continues to be a little bit of an issue. Uh, and the, But the defense, they've, give up, they've given up two touchdowns all year so far. So the defense has continued to ball out. Uh, you know, DeMarvin Leal, uh, Leon O'Neal, just great guys on defense for A&M. Offensively, Zach Calzada is starting to look a little more comfortable in the pocket. Uh, obviously losing Haynes King to a broken broken leg last week. Uh, against or a fractured ankle against Colorado, um, we're, we'll find out a lot about A and M this upcoming weekend against against Arkansas. And if we you know we'll, we'll transition here to Week Four, A uh, and M is playing at Jerry World in Dallas against the Arkansas Razorbacks. The Hogs are 
undefeated. They've looked really good so far this year. They pounded Texas a couple weeks ago, which I took a lot of delight in watching. And it'll be a strength against strength game. Uh, Arkansas can run the football really well. A&M has played great defense all year. Uh, we're we're going to find out, you know, where where these teams are at, you know, how real is Arkansas this year. Um, you know, there was a lot of hype for A&M going into the year. You know, again, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. A&M and Jimbo Fisher-led teams have a tendency to start slowly and start the season slowly. Remember, A&M finished fifth in the country last year, ended up 10-1, 9-1, and they were able – you know, to pick it up as the season went by. But remember week one, they barely beat Vanderbilt 12-7. Um, and, you know, Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt is certainly not the class of the SEC. So we'll see if A&M is able to show up here in this game. They've had Arkansas's number the last several years in, in this uh, neutral site game. Uh, and we'll see if they're able to, you know, get to the Alabama week in a couple weeks undefeated. If they win this week, Alabama and A&M will be undefeated. Uh, going into a massive game at College Station. Um, looking across the, the rest of the, the college football landscape this year, Notre Dame plays Wisconsin at Soldier Field. A uh, little under-the-radar game, I guess, if you will. Game day is going there. Uh, Wisconsin obviously has a one-loss earlier this year at Penn State. They're coming off a bye this week. Notre Dame has not looked impressive, and that win at Florida State continues to look worse and worse as Florida State is now 0-3 on the season. Um, and there's some issues going on down there in Tallahassee. But, uh, and you know, if Notre Dame wins this game, they're once again looking like they're going to be a contender for the playoff just given, you know, the schedule that they play. Um, you know, they'll have to still go play USC and, and North Carolina. But, you know, they're not going through the week-by-week conference grind like everybody else is. And if Wisconsin wins this game, they're, they're not done yet. I mean, their, their only loss is a game they probably should have won at home against Penn State. And – you know, it, if they're able to win this game, um, there's nothing stopping them from being able to win out um, and win the rest of the games on the schedule in, in a Big Ten West. That you know, the jury is still out on teams like Iowa. How good, how good, really, how good is Iowa really? Um, you know, we'll, we'll find that out uh, in a couple of weeks when they play Penn State. But Wisconsin, Notre Dame at Soldier Field um, on Fox noon game again, again another game that should not be. be being played at noon, especially if it's the marquee game of the week. And, uh, you know, something that after, you know, going to the Penn State-Auburn game at home and already being excited to go down to Auburn next year and watch Penn State play down there um, on the Plains is we have to start moving away from these neutral site locations when we have these big interconference matchups. Um, or in Notre Dame and Wisconsin case, and just a non-conference matchup since Notre Dame's not in a conference. Um, that on-campus environment last weekend for Penn State Auburn was unbelievable, and I have no doubt that next year the on-campus, the on-campus environment at Auburn is going to be unbelievable for the Penn State Auburn game. Then, imagine this game at Notre Dame. Imagine this game at Wisconsin. Um, the, the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. I, I just think that that situation, that setup, is so much better than these neutral site locations. Imagine Georgia and Clemson at at Georgia between the hedges um, or at Clemson. It, it would have been a zoo. And, you know, you play the game in, in Charlotte, and, you know, it's, it's a good environment, but it's not what it can be when you're on campus. You have the student sections. You have the pageantry, all that type of stuff. So I, 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 I'm encouraged to see going forward that it looks like down the road the next several years we're kind of moving away 
from these neutral site games and going to more going more on campus. Um, I, I think that that should be the norm rather than the exception, and hopefully we'll continue to to move in that direction. Uh, 3.30 Saturday, Texas A&M and Arkansas. A&M is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, you know, and as an Aggie fan, I'm a, I'm a little – I'm more than a little concerned about this game. Uh, just A&M just has not impressed me so far this year, but maybe that maybe that's a good thing. I mean, it seems like – you know, there is a sense of urgency to try to get things going there. So it's no secret that A&M has struggled so far this year. Uh, you know, that has maybe led teams to sleep on them and count them out a little bit and led people to, you know, count them out a little bit. I'm sure Arkansas is not overlooking them. But um, but we'll see. It, it, it should be a really good, old-fashioned Southwest Conference football game. And uh, it, it should be, you know, a defensive battle. I don't expect it being a high-scoring game. The over-under is 47.5. You know, I like a 24-10 or a 24-20, a 20-17 to 17 ball game. Um, and if that's the case, that'll, that'll hit the under. Uh, and, you know, A&M 5.5. To me, this game looks more like a toss-up. It's not like A&M's playing at home. Uh, Arkansas is not playing at home. We're playing this at a neutral site. And so... You know, A and M five and a half looks like a lot. Of, that's a lot to me. I like it as a toss up, so I'd, I would I would have to take Arkansas covering if I think it's a toss up. So, um, but but we'll see, we'll see, um, and we'll touch a little bit more on that game here in a few minutes. Um, another and, and more in depth because that that's going to be the game we're going to focus on because um, that probably has the biggest impact on the on the national on the national landscape here going forward. Uh, another interesting game three thirty on ABC. Uh, Rutgers at Michigan. Both teams are three and zero. This is probably Michigan's first real test of the year, um, which is insane to say considering it's Rutgers. Uh, you know, Washington seems a little a little down. I'm not sure about that that coaching staff that they have up there. Um, but Greg Schiano's done a great job at Rutgers. They have that team believing. They play hard nosed defense. They run the football. Michigan has committed so far this year to we are just going to run the football. They're running the ball at a 3-1 to one clip over passing. They're running the ball 45, 50 times a game, passing the ball 15 to 20 times a game, um, and absolutely beating the hell out of opponents doing it. So, But this week's going to be a little different. Rutgers is going to play defense. They do have a cornerback out um, because of a paintball incident. I'm not really sure what to make of that um, or what that even means, but... Uh, was, I guess, shooting people with paintballs in, in Piscataway. These are things that you get when you go to New Jersey. Um, looking elsewhere across the country, uh, UCLA, UCLA and Stanford. UCLA apparently is not real after losing to, or not for real, after losing to Fresno State this past weekend. Um, was down big early, came all the way back, took the lead, and then couldn't get a stop. Fresno State wins. Um, Michigan State plays Nebraska. I think Michigan State is a team that is really solid. Um uh, they have a great coach in Mel Tucker, and they went down to Miami and just stomped them at home. Miami is just another another Florida team that's a dead man walking. Florida State, Miami, um, it's just it's really you know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. These blue bloods that just cannot get things going. It's really incredible to me that teams like Tennessee, Nebraska, Texas, USC, Florida State, Miami just cannot you know get get things right with a with a good hire. Um, it's it's really surprising. 
Uh, and then we look at you know going to the Big 12. Probably the biggest game in the Big 12 that week this week is going to be Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Both teams are undefeated. Now get this, get this, and you and you and you wonder why teams like Oklahoma and Texas want to leave the Big 12. The Big 12's marquee game of the week will not be on television. Will not be on television. It will be broadcasted on ESPN Plus and local Big Ten Network, whatever the heck they have out there. It will not be a nationally televised ball game. It's not great for the brand if you're the Big 12. And I can't really blame, you know, Oklahoma and Texas for wanting to leave something like that. Could you imagine... Could you imagine the biggest game of the week in the SEC not being on national TV? Could you imagine the biggest game of the week in the Big Ten not being on national TV? It's a joke. Uh, I don't really know how some of these people get in the position to make these decisions. Um, I'm paid exactly $0 to comment on any of this and, you know, look at what seems to be commonsensical and what isn't. And even I know that that is just a complete boneheaded decision to not have your marquee game of the week on TV. But I digress. Uh, Ohio State plays Akron. That should be a, an easy win, we would think. And then Oregon, uh, Pac-12 after dark, plays Arizona. I do not expect any any normal Pac-12 after dark um, oddities going on this week. Arizona is really, really, really bad. They might actually be the worst team, worst team in the Power Five. And they will get smoked by Oregon. Oregon's a 20 and a, 28 and a half point favorite. I would think Oregon covers that spread. Arizona just lost to Northern Arizona last week, so that's not a, that's not a very good uh, that's not a very good loss. Um, so circling back here to what I think is probably the game of the week: uh, Texas A and M and Arkansas in Dallas. Uh, <clears throat> You know, matchup predictor from FPI has A and M with a fifty-seven chance, fifty-seven percent chance of winning the ball game. Uh, Jefferson for Arkansas has been solid on the year, thirty-nine of sixty-three, uh, six hundred plus yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Um, Zach Calzada not nearly as as effective, uh, thirty-seven for seventy-two, uh, four hundred and fifty-eight yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Um, obviously didn't play the first couple weeks, uh, or the first week and then played the second half of the game against Colorado. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, Ian Smith, uh, those guys for A&M have to get going on the ground if they want to win this game. A&M's offensive line has struggled to create gaps for the running backs. Um, A&M has one of the better running back rooms in the SEC, if not the country, and they've just not been able to get going on the ground. On the other hand, Arkansas is just absolutely chewed up yards on the ground, and so we'll uh, we'll see what happens here. You know, Arkansas is averaging over 260, uh, 280 yards rushing per game, uh, not really throwing the ball very much. So if A and M can load the box, make them throw the ball, uh, I, I think A and M, you know, has a, that is how A and M has their best chance of winning the game. They're giving up the least amount of points in the country right now at five, under six points a game. Um, they're only giving up 77 pass yards per game. But the thing is, A&M's weakness on defense is the rush game. Um, they are giving up 160-plus yards per game. So if there is a weakness on this defense, Arkansas is the team that's equipped to exploit it. So we'll see how that goes. Again, I think that this is a, a pretty close game. I don't think either team will be able to get too far out ahead um, because of their limitations offensively and because for A&M specifically – how good their defense is. I just don't see Arkansas being able to really rack things up uh, when it comes to yards and points. 
Uh, if I, you know, gun to my head, I have to make a pick. I'll probably take A and M by three, uh, twenty to seventeen, twenty three twenty. Uh, I do not have them covering, and I would, I would, you know, if twenty three twenty is under forty three points, under forty seven points, that's forty three. Um, you know, I'm gonna probably take the under here as well. So. Uh, I, I do like A and M, but really in a toss up, I, I, in a toss up to, to three point range, I can absolutely see Arkansas winning the ball game. Um, you know, this week when it comes to when it comes to picks, you know, I don't. I, there's not a lot on the board that I love. Ohio State opened at a as a 53 point favorite against Akron. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're capable of of you know. Winning by that much, um, you know, a, a, a game that I would probably, I would probably like to look at here is is Oregon, um, only a four touchdown favorite against Arizona. I, I think that's a game that if you're looking for, if you're looking for something to maybe put action on late at night, if you're you're an insomniac and you like staying up and watching Pac-12 after dark, that might be a game that you want to uh, you want want to tune into and, and and lay a little lay a little cheese on and and see if uh, and see if the Ducks can can get it done at home as well. So uh, so that's what the college football slate looks like this week. Uh, you know, A and M Arkansas the marquee is the marquee game, uh, followed by uh, you know at Soldier Field. Wisconsin and Notre Dame. Uh, moving on here, uh, before we close out to this week's episode, let's uh, let's look into the Ryder Cup. We got we got some golf this weekend. The Ryder Cup, the the marquee team event for the golf season, uh, every couple of years is being played at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. Great golf course, great Pete Dye design. Uh, Steve Stricker and Padraig Harrington are captaining the teams this year. Uh, it it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Uh, our friends in Vegas like the United States. Uh, they are their favorite. You know, the if you're looking at predicted scores, you know, if you were to give a spread, I guess, because it's so in the Ryder Cup, it's the first team to, if you have the cup, all right, so if you won the cup, let's say Europe won the cup, which they did last time, if the teams tie, Europe retains the cup. They keep it. So all, all Europe needs to do is get 14 to win, if you will. The United States, in order to take the cup from them, needs to get 14 and a half points. Okay, So there's 28 total points available. Whichever team gets the most out of that 28 wins. Um, with the exception of if there's a tie, uh, you know, it's a given that Europe retains the cup. They're looked at as, as a winner. So they have the, the advantage, you know, our friends in Vegas, they they like the United States. They have them as an eight to fifteen favorite. Um, their odds are eight to fifteen, while Europe is five to two. And the best odds, you know, for the for the score is, is basically USA fifteen thirteen. So basically, USA is a two point favorite, if you will, if we're trying to translate this over into, you know, a more um, understandable way of of betting this matchup. I would hammer. Absolutely hammer Europe. I'd hammer Europe uh, for a multitude of reasons. Europe has has a tendency to be just the better team in this event. They come together as a team. Obviously, golf with these guys is is a is an individual event. Fifty one or an individual sport. Fifty one weeks out of the year. Well, when they have to come together for this one week out of the year for this event, Europe time and time again comes together better than the United States does. 
Um, you know, there's always distractions with the United States. Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, you know, you know, if you follow golf, you know that story where they're just going at each other. How much of that has been just for publicity? How much of that is real where they actually dislike each other? It's probably a mix of both. I can't imagine that's a super conducive environment for team uh, for team golf. So if if I'm having to make a pick here, I like Europe. Uh, it's at a golf course that should suit some of the Europeans really well. I think that Rory McIlroy will play well. I think guys like Matthew Fitzpatrick and Ian Poulter will play well. And then if you look at the United States side, this is a Bombers golf course. Uh, so Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, uh, Finau, uh, these longer hitters will... Uh, you know, we'll take advantage of, of this golf course. I'm sure it'll be an electric environment, uh, you know, for the, for the new timers that are coming out there, Scotty Scheffler, Harris English, um, you know, Xander Shoffley, I believe this might be his first uh, Ryder Cup. It should be fun. I'm interested to see, you know, guys like Ian Poulter and Sergio Garcia, who are captain's picks for the European team, who, you know, haven't typically been, uh, doing fantastic week in and week out in the past couple of years, but have been historically very, very solid Ryder Cup players. Uh, how will they, how will they fare? You know, will they be able to continue some of the great play that they've had in Ryder Cups past? Uh, and, and we'll see about that. So, you know, between the, between the U S and the European team, uh, I like the European team to, to win this probably 15 and a half to, to 12 and a half. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're looking to lay money on this, you know, the United States is the favorite. Um, you know, if you're, you're looking money line, I, I would certainly take, uh, I would certainly take the European team. I think you're going to get better odds. And then if I had to pick a winning score, I'd like Europe, uh, to win this 15 and a half to 12 and a half. So, all right, that is, uh, that is it for this week's episode of the No Change Attached podcast. Uh, remember to rate and and like and subscribe on iTunes podcasts and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter and uh, spread the word. Thanks for tuning in.